It was always about freedom. It was always about being able to tell my story in the way that my soul feels it, my heart feels it, my desires want it. That is like something that I'm not willing to sacrifice. So it's like when you say, how do you put a octagon in a cylinder? You just can't. And I, I don't want to turn into a cylinder. Welcome back to the Go Off Sis podcast, season two, episode two. You feeling the vibe yet, sis? Because I am. That's right. Your favorite melanated Monas are bringing you all of the good energy today. Because, well, we could definitely all use it. In this episode, we are taking a woo-saw and talking spirituality, self-care, and all things that keep us sane. We also hit up our good sis and cool best friend in our head, Janelle Monet, who dropped some knowledge on us about finding your path, showing up as your full self, and her unmatched fashions. So let go, let flow, and let's go, sis. Welcome back to the Go Off Sis podcast. Woo! Today, we are talking about spirituality. That's right, okay? Light that sage, grab your crystal, settle in, sis, because we are getting into it. And I'm very excited to be joined by my Refinery29 sisters, Chelsea Sanders and Kathleen Newman-Bremang. Sisters, hello, welcome. Chelsea, introduce yourself to the people once again, please, sis. Hello, people. This is Chelsea Sanders again. We're back. I'm the VP of Communications at Refinery29, podcast producer, and, you know, we'll see what else by the end of this episode. <laughs> and this this episode, we're going to introduce ourselves with our favorite superstition, yes. uh, since we're talking all about spirituality. So, Chelsea, your favorite superstition? Okay. The biggest one that my dad told me, never take out the trash at night. Okay. My mm. dad learned it from his mom. Mm. He told me that it means that you're taking your friends out with it. So I won't ever do it. My sister oh. won't ever do it. Never. Also, oh. I'm a single girl in New York, so I probably shouldn't be heading into dark yeah. trash rooms at night anyways. Like I've seen that scary movie. That's the start of Scream 2. So. And Black people always die first, so we ain't trying to have it. <laughs> Kathleen, our Canadian hello. sister, please say hello. Hey. Introduce yourself. I am Kathleen newman Bremang, first-time caller, long-time listener. I am uh, the senior writer at Refinery29 Canada, and my favorite superstition. Okay, I always still knock on wood. I'm very much about mm. like not blocking your blessings, and I mm. feel like if I say something negative about my future, I always have to knock on wood or knock on my head or knock on someone else's head. And then there's one my my godmother. She was like, if you always have money in your wallet at all times, whether it's that's like a bill, dollar bill, whatever it is, because then you're not going to have money. That's a real one. I think that's a West Indian thing. So shout out to yeah. all the West Indians who are listening. And hello, sisters. My name is Danielle Cadet. I am managing editor of Unbothered. I am also the VP of content development and strategy at Refinery29. And my favorite superstition is, I do not know where this comes from. Like I said, I'm Caribbean. I'm first generation American. My family is from Haiti. I have always been taught that if you sweep over somebody's toes, you like don't put a broom over someone's foot. I don't know what it means. It's bad luck. It's not good. I just don't do it. I remember I like did it once and 
my grandmother flipped out. And so I've never done it again. So we're going to get into it because we have a lot to discuss today. And I want to talk about how we kind of came up with this topic is, you know, how we all came into spirituality in our own right. And, um, you know, the reality is as Black people, we were raised in the church. You know, I grew up Catholic. I am a a very strict Catholic. I've done all, all of my sacraments. Okay. (laughs) I was married in the church. I grew up in the church and that was, it was not a joke as my grandmother says, like it is not a game. And you know, it was all about and I grew up in a very strict and specific, like Christian household. You know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. I think as I've grown up, Mm -hmm. I've definitely developed my own sense of spirituality. I I certainly think we've seen this as millennials. Spirituality looks different for us than it did for the generations prior. Chelsea, what's your background when it comes to spirituality? Yeah. So I also grew up in the church. I'm born and raised in LA. I'm a fifth generation African-American. I've been here since 1750. I have all my papers. Um, <laughs> Not so, 1750? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I know exactly where I've been and where I'm supposed to be. You know who um, you are and whose you are, sis. Come mm, on. Say it again. <laughs> So that means I grew up in the the AME church, which is African Methodist Episcopal. So I went to church every Sunday with my family too. But also on the other side, I grew up with a lot of spirituality. Mm. Uh, Both of my parents are practicing yogis. They've been Mm. doing it for over 30 years. Mm. My dad had a business deal that went badly. And the guy was like, I can't pay you, but I can give you free yoga for life. (laughs) And, and I've never heard a blacker way to get into yoga. I was about to say that's about the blackest thing I've ever heard in my life. And to this day, no Sanders has to pay for yoga. So if you need the hookup, just say you are Sanders. That's all that pro tip. I'm about to introduce myself as Danielle Sanders from now on. So I grew up very much. Spirituality and religion were hand in hand. My mom even teaches it to this day. So she especially has been someone in my own spiritual journey that has been influential and has shown me aspects of spirituality, whatever that means, whether that's yoga, wellness. I love that. And we're going to get into that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, But I find that so interesting because, you know, for me growing up, those two things were not... They, they couldn't coexist, you know what mm. I mean? And I, and I find that fascinating. And, and Kathleen, I think you have a similar experience too, as well, right? Yeah. So my mom's Jamaican, my dad's from Ghana and West Africa, and they're both devout Christians. Like we grew up in an evangelical Pentecostal church going every Sunday. And it was just like, if it's in the Bible, like the Bible's word is bond. That's it. What the church says goes. Mm. Anything that was seen as kind of, spiritual and not religious was evil. And mm-hmm. we don't, we don't do that. Like even superstitions. I remember one time I said that thing that kids said, you're like, step on a crack and break your mama's back. And my mom was like, heard me say that. And she's like, what, what devil thing did you just say to me? <laughs> you know, so, don't bring that in here. Don't bring that in my house. Right. And so it was always very, very separate and very, very strict church. Mm. I hear you. If, if my grandmother ever felt like that was the devil, okay? It was just like <laughs> that. It was the end of the world. I do think that so much of that background informs who we are as a generation and, and informs mm. so much of how we commune as a generation and how we connect spiritually, you know, and there's been so much research 
that has shown that there are more Black millennials that aren't identifying necessarily with a specific religion, even though we do have that background. I think for us, it, it, it looks like so much more now. For me, one thing that is part of my spirituality, which coming from uh, a Haitian family, I definitely got a lot of side eyes up for this, but like therapy is such mm. a huge part of spirituality for me. You know, I uh, was diagnosed with generalized anxiety in 2012. I have had bouts of depression and experienced depression in my life. And I started going to therapy and I remember my whole family just looking at me crazy. Like, what are you doing? Like, go to church. Mm-hmm like light a candle. I don't know what we're talking about. It was very like, oh, well, Danielle, you know, Danielle does the therapy. Not the therapy. <laughs> you know, anytime old folks put a D in front of it, Danielle goes to that, she goes to that therapy, okay? <laughs> and that's real, you know what I mean? But for me, therapy really is part of my spirituality and journaling has become part of my wellness. And it is certainly something that's so important to me. But I will I will admit that like I do think that I've grown up sort of rejecting sage and crystals. I've never gone to a medium or to a psychic because in life my grandmother would kick my ass. In death, I think she's going to haunt me. So mm. I'm like I just don't I don't I'm afraid, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I do know that like for so many people that's part of their spirituality as well. And Chelsea, yes. I want you to talk about this a little bit because I know you have personal experience here. What you just mentioned this idea of like being afraid of of this psychic energy whatever it is is something that I think a lot of people feel. They're mm-hmm. afraid of whatever this the psychic is going to tell them. Um, But the way that I grew up, it was very much, all right, a mindset of abundance. There's no one right Mm. way to be spiritual. Mm. So why not explore different paths? Mm. So I've been to several psychics. The first time I went, I was about 15 and I sat down and she told me that the only thing that was blocking me was me. And that if I wanted, I could, you know, stand up and marry Justin Timberlake, you know, quite quick. <laughs> I want to find this woman and I want to fight her right now. Yes. Yo, me too. But at 15, Justin Timberlake was a black girl's kryptonite. True. I was like, this is it. Jessica Biel, <laughs> you had your one moment. Uh, I'm going to need you to step into the eighth heaven. Good luck and Godspeed. <laughs> I am dead. Not the eighth heaven. I know that there are psychics that, you know, capitalize on other people's insecurities. But in my life after that, I've had many an experience with people who I believe have a true gift to share. Mm. I also visited a numerologist. I've had my readings done um, and found real insight there. Mm. Not about, you know, telling me what to do, but just more about the opportunities that I can be better about presenting myself with, Mm. or again, even potentially being a vessel for other people Mm. because I recognize in them something that I feel Mm. um, and often vice versa. Mm. People have come up to me on the train, on the street, you know, saying like, I I don't know what it is, but I had to talk to you or I'll feel that same way and have to go up to someone, um, someone I know or someone sometimes that I don't know. Um, so if I can believe in it and I can share it, I certainly will give other people the grace too. My God, I love that so much. And I love how you started that was just coming from a place of abundance, right? Like Mm. I do think abundance is such a a impactful and such a strong word. And Mm -hmm. I I think it is for so long, something that I've personally only associated with a specific type of spirituality. And I do Mm. think, you know, that this is again, an experience that our generation has had is that we're just 
so much more open mm. and receptive to things that that maybe we once weren't prepared for, you know, mm-hmm. like one thing I struggle with is, is meditation. Like my mm. mind just kind of keeps going all the time. But Kathleen, you meditate, right? I do every Sunday. I mean, I think that, you know, I've moved away from going to church or having any sort of connection to religion, but it is still ingrained in me that Sunday is a time for spirituality. And so I do mm. still meditate for 30 minutes, Every Sunday, I sit down and put on a podcast and like have that time of stillness. And it's really the only time in my week, like I'm a Capricorn, Mm -hmm. I'm a a like go, go, go person who always feels like I have to be productive. And Sunday, again, because it's just ingrained in in me is the day that I, I meditate and it does feel very spiritual and it feels like me, like Chelsea, you mentioned the... The idea that we don't want to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that religion, yes. a lot of the time, and the religion that we grew up with was exclusionary. It wasn't mm. abundant. It was like, this is this way, and that's it. Mm. And I think that's why so many millennials, Black millennial women specifically, it's like, don't tell me what to do. Yes. Mm-hmm. I want I want my own path. I want my own journey. And for me, meditation feels like that. It feels like I control it. There's nobody mm. preaching at me, telling me how to live my life. Mm. I love that. I Mm. love that. I I really, I want to dig into that a little bit, Kathleen, this feeling of like, I don't want to be told what to do. I don't, you know, need anybody dictating how I connect spiritually. Yeah. So my parents were devout Christians. We went to church every Sunday and their marriage was very much to me connected to going to church every Sunday. Mm. I am an adult child of divorce. They divorced in my late 20s, mm. which is a couple of years ago now. And when that happened, it was very much like, you know, we found out that my dad wasn't who we thought he was. I have mm. six siblings mm. that I did not know about. Mm. Six of them? Mm-hmm. Six? Mm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. <laughs> she, said, she said, did y'all hear that number? Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just want you to know. Yep. Six. And so when he's on his moral superiority which is what religion felt like to me in that moment of I know that you are not following all these things that you've been teaching my Mm. whole life Mm. and so if you can do all the things that he did to to our family and still go to church on Sunday it was like that's not that's not a place for me Mm. and it really like even walking into a church is really triggering for me now I can't do it. I can't do it. That's powerful. That is. I think you're speaking for a lot of people. You know, I can't remember exactly when I took on my spirituality myself, but there was something very freeing in in developing it myself and being like, Mm. this isn't my parents' job. This isn't my Mm. grandmother's job. This isn't, this doesn't belong to anybody but me. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And I do think that sometimes we've got to separate ourselves from that in order to just kind of take on our own autonomous spiritual journey. But Chelsea, one thing I thought was really interesting that you shared with us was how this has become sort of a place of connectivity for you and your mom. Yeah, absolutely. And Kathleen, I actually have a a similar story to you just to how I got there with my mom. My uh, parents split up when I was 15. And so right then we stopped going to church because Mm. church was for families and we weren't a family anymore. Right? Mm. Ooh, that Mm. is 
you just said something. Yeah, that wasn't mm-hmm. a place for us. And mm. what you're saying right now is very, very similar to how I was feeling when I was a teenager. But as I grew older, I recognized and I realized that uh, my mom especially has been really tied to spirituality. And of course, as we are taping this episode, it is my mom's birthday today. Oh! You know what? That's the universe. Uh, It's always (laughs) on my neck. Okay? (laughs) Um, So I, I actually talked to her earlier today and it was interesting because she said that she had grown up in a really prescriptive household. And what she never wanted was for me to feel like I wasn't enough. Mm. And so what that meant as I grew up and as I became an adult was that we found harmony there. We Mm. found harmony in being ourselves, our full selves, Mm. in a way that we hadn't when I was younger. And my mom has done a lot of teaching for me because that side of the family has had really a I'll say clairvoyance or psychic abilities or whatever you want to call it. Mm. And at first it, it scared me. Um, I was, you know, having dreams that were coming true and things that we call maybe deja vu, but they felt familiar. They were sort of memories of the future. Mm. And that's, that's the only way I can describe them. I am um, getting chills right now. <laughs> well, to this day, I still don't know. But my mother has been a really great shepherd in mm. letting me find my own journey. And I think for me a lot, that's a lot of what I'm trying to understand because once you open that third eye, you cannot close it. Okay. (laughs) I think being open to learning is one of the hardest parts in practices of spirituality. Like you're saying, Kathleen, I could not meditate if my life depended on it. Tried it, hopped on all the IG lives. But every time my mind wanders, I feel like I'm failing. I'm like, well, anyways, thought about what I have for lunch. Pack it in and let me go make my sandwich. (laughs) That's real. That's real. I struggle with that so much because my mind is moving so much. And I'm like, oh, I thought about bills. I can't meditate no more. Like, I'm like, it's done. Like, I thought about, and this is, especially as a person with anxiety, like, I lay in the bed Mm. thinking about 8 million things. Mm. that email? Did I do that thing? Did I do blah, blah, blah. And so it's hard for me to meditate because as soon as I feel like something enters my mind, I'm like, oh, there goes the meditation. Kathleen, how do you deal with that? Okay. So I also am a very anxious person. I've also been diagnosed with anxiety and that is what blocked me from doing it for so long. Mm. But when your mind starts wandering, that's okay. Mm. Like you're still in your meditation. Let your mind wander, Mm. bring it back, try to like capture that stillness again. And then when you're done your meditation, think on the things that your mind wandered to. Mm. So if my mind wandered to my boss and something my boss said, or my best friend, and she got in my head with something. Mm. That is something then that I need to address. I maybe need to call my best friend and be Mm -hmm. like, girl, we're having issues. Mm -hmm. And I know that because in my moment of stillness, when I was supposed to be sitting here doing nothing, my mind went to you. Mm -hmm. And I, that's, I think it's really powerful. Like in those moments, I figure out what the frick is bothering me. Mm -hmm. We got something today. We at church. Whatever your thing is, if you got your crystals, you got your cross. I don't know what it is, sis, but you better hang tight because we are, Look, we yes. are there today. I want to talk about stuff that we do that you know maybe generations prior to us wouldn't see this as spiritual, but but it does feel like a spiritual connection for us. You know, for me, one thing that 
in addition to therapy, any form of self-care to me is is spiritual, whether it's doing my skin routine or doing my hair or mm-hmm. spending any kind of time with myself. I grew up with a lot of women who put everybody else first. And, mm-hmm. and that's what mm-hmm. I learned. You know what I mean? That you had to put your husband first, your children first, everybody had, your community had to come before you. And so Mm -hmm. I almost see it as an act of rebellion to put myself first. Mm. Um, You know, I I grew up with a mother that was always working and that was putting her children first. And that was, you know, doing everything and rarely doing things for herself. But I I learned over time that I wanted to do the opposite, right? That I I still wanted to pour into others, but I could do that even more effectively when I poured into myself. So it is really a spiritual experience for me if I'm spending an hour in the bathroom, like doing a skin regimen and a hair mask and like all of those things, because it feels spiritual for me to connect with myself and to take care of myself in a way that, you know, maybe it doesn't for other people. And I know that that might, feel or sound weird, but it is a spiritual experience for me. What are some things that y'all do that feel like a spiritual experience? So I don't want to say eat, but eat. (laughs) (laughs) Final answer. Food is is spiritual. Food is real. Yes. Okay. Look, don't mess with my plate (laughs) or my path. Let me tell you, you a good, a good, a good plate can take me somewhere. Yes. Like for real. I think food is meditative in a way, right? Mm. Takes you somewhere. It gives you an idea of who that person is who made it. And I think also it develops your sense of unity because it's something that you could talk about with other people, right? Yes. In the same way that you guys can talk about going to Catholic school or, you know, being an AKA. Like also it's being alone and singing to myself. Mm. Every day I like take some time just to like sit in my room and sing a song, Brandy style. It. One of the reasons why I did that was because when I was younger, my mom used to sing and she stopped. Mm. Danielle, that idea of like the things that maybe our moms or grandmothers weren't able to do and weren't able to dedicate time to. Yes. We are sort of honoring them by doing that. Yes. Not to, again, take away from, you know, my mother, because my mom was a savage and I got that from Melba. So, but (laughs) in some ways it gives me the chance to, you know, just go a little further than my family was able to. And isn't that the point, right? Like, Mm. you know, aren't we our ancestors' wildest dreams? It's always for us to get a little bit further than the generation before us. And Kathleen, I know, you know, your form of spirituality is something that I think we all agree with, particularly from a communion standpoint. So share with us, please. I talk to my girlfriends. I call my girls. Mm -hmm. Amen. And we just Mm -hmm. talk. And that is the most communion and spiritual community bonding that I have. I, you know, grew up in Oakville, Ontario. Mm. Anybody listening who's around my age knows how white (laughs) that (laughs) suburb was growing up. I had no black girlfriends until I got to university. Mm. And Mm -hmm. so this was something in my life that was missing for Mm. so long. And I, I can't even imagine... Like also, I mean, I have sisters, but didn't know about it. And it's like part of why I'm, I'm so, I was so upset by that. Yeah. I was like, mm. are you kidding me? Right. I grew up a- alone in that mm. space mm. without that communion. Yes. And I could have had that. So the girlfriends that I have now, who are my best friends and my black girlfriends, they pull me up, they mm. fill me up and they are my self-care. They are my Get, they are gifts. Like I, I, if I keep talking about them, I will cry <laughs> because mm. it is. I can't imagine my life without them. And then 
I'm in an interracial relationship. My fiance is white. And there Mm -hmm. are certain things that like he cannot do for me, that conversations I cannot have with him that I really rely maybe too much on my girlfriend for. And then also just, you know, talking about our mothers and how things that they weren't able to do. My mother sacrificed everything. Like Mm. she, again, had a husband who was not a very good husband Mm. and stayed Mm. and did everything, cooked, cleaned, was a professional, was everything to us Mm -hmm. and never took time for herself. And so now when I do it, I do also feel like it's radical. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, I think communion means so much to us. And, and now we have the ability to commune in so many different ways. I think that will continue to look different for so many generations. We have reached the point, my favorite point in every episode entitled Don't At Me. Let me tell y'all about Don't At Me. This segment is meant to tie a bow on our discussion and to ultimately come to a decision and establish our conclusion. Y'all can't at us, okay? Y'all can't say nothing. Y'all can't come for us. As my Auntie Nene Leakes likes to say, I said what I said. So today's Don't At Me is coming straight from our sister, Chelsea Sanders. Chelsea, take it away, sis. Yes, and feel free to at me. I'm still new on the gram, and I I don't know how all the buttons work, so good luck. Okay? Try to add her. (laughs) Yes. Um, But really, I want to take a minute to recognize the importance of spirituality right now and and your own personal path to it, uh, whatever that means for you. And when I say spirituality, I mean exploring where you fit in in this world, having a belief in it, and developing an abundant mindset around it. This generation self-identifies as anxious more than any previous in our nation's history. That is a fact. Whether you find peace of mind and that answer in a good song, a great face mask, a good psychic reading, or the good book right now, I want to recognize that all of us need and deserve the space, whatever lifts your spirit, gives you joy, offers support, and is consensual, do it. Know and believe that you are worthy and deserving of support and healing. We all are. And I will end with a quote from the late great poet and civil rights activist, Audre Lorde, who said, caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation. And that is an act of political warfare. So don't block your blessings, sis. And most definitely, don't at me. Season two of the Go Off Sis podcast was made possible by Target, your summertime style destination. Sunkissed skin, bold fashion, undeniable confidence, summer is still happening. And this season, Target makes it easy for you to celebrate your melanin, soak up some sun, and bring your best summer style to life, whether you're on your balcony or in your backyard. Their inclusive range of summer wardrobe essentials are here to glow you up no matter what. Head over to Target.com or the Target app to check out all the new looks. Because wherever you are, you know we're keeping that same summer energy. I am so excited for our guest for today's episode. Janelle Monet is an eight-time Grammy-nominated multi 
multi-hyphenate. Did y'all catch what I just said? Multi-hyphenate mm. <laughs> celebrated worldwide as a singer, a songwriter, an actor, an activist, and a fashion icon, which we will get into. Trust. Sisters, I am so excited to welcome the one and only Janelle Monet to the Go Off Sis podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, you guys are, who paid you, who paid you to say all those things? <laughs> <laughs> Black girl magic was just inside of us. We have so much to talk to you about. And this episode specifically is about spirituality and, you know, our finding our own autonomy, um, our voice. And, and I think that you are such an incredible example of that. You have such a distinct brand and, and a personality that's just refreshing and affirming for our community, especially. It's, it's incredible. And everything from your pop Android persona to your signature black and white color scheme. How did you find that voice? And was this a vision you had from day one or did it develop over time? Well, one, I, I want to say I, I have to give thanks to my mom and my family because, you know, ultimately your family, whether it's chosen or, you know, you're born into it, mm-hmm. um, your support system can either discourage you or encourage you. Mm-hmm. And I came from a very encouraging, large black family and full of creatives, full of failures, full of uh, wins, full of triumphs full of tragedy and everything around me really did help cultivate me growing up in Kansas, being a part of the arts, never having a mama and a, and a dad or family discourage me from, you know, wanting to go to Shakespeare after school Shakespearean programs or be an international mm-hmm. thespian and, and monologue compete or be in the acapella choir or you know, when I went to school in, in New York, it was my church, it was my family praying for me, sending me toilet paper. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was, it was them along. No, no one ever said you can't do what it is that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And even though we didn't have a lot of money, even though, you know, I was a maid at, at, at one point, my mom also worked as a hotel maid. We you know, had to work really, really hard to pay for some of the things that I wanted to do as a family. But we never blew out the fire, you know, that was Mm. in me. And I'm just thankful that I got born into the family that I got born into. That said, once you realize what makes you tick, what keeps you excited, what drives you, it's then pushing out the noise of people who are not your family, who don't love and care about you, who don't understand your vision, who don't understand what your purpose is, you have to then block that noise out. Mm. And it's like the sneezing on stage when you're about to hit a note, you got to work through it. Mm. Right? Okay. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> and so for me, I did a lot of that. I did a lot of sneezing and, and getting back up. And when people didn't see the vision and you know, they did discourage me or say, mm, you know, this is a little too avant-garde. You know, we need to make mm. you more marketable, you know, uh, science fiction, black girl. No, just stick to R&B right now. This is who's hot. We need to get song as I'm trying to evolve and develop. And I'm listening to David Bowie and I'm listening to Stevie mm. Wonder, Secret Life, Secret Life of Plants. I also love, you know, Tim Burton, love the concept of world building and wanting to have that freedom. I mean, it's ultimately been about not denying myself that freedom to to be a chameleon 
to mm. uh, transform, to to be all of me, you know, mm-hmm. to be a subject, not an object, to collaborate with other like-minded folks that I was either inspired by or I felt we were on the same frequency, you know, trying to uh, decode the matrix. Oh my gosh, this but, is a whole word. Oh. Something that you said is just this idea of, of freedom. And, and I think for, you know, so often, particularly black girls, black people don't get to experience that freedom. Oftentimes the industry and just people overall put black women in a box and kind of assign them an identity. You've just kind of been able to straddle so many different worlds and sounds and influences to kind of the exception of of all of these rules. How have you been able to, to manage that? And has that been intentional? Yeah, I think my inner child is so strong <laughs> and so anchored mm. that it never allows me to mature past curiosity. Mm. And I think that when artists stay curious, they stay happy. <laughs> mm. I think I've always wanted to stay connected to the freedom that that I know that I have and I've had since I've been little. That's why I don't believe in age. I consider myself timeless. I consider myself a spirit first. Mm. Just not ever denying myself that freedom just because to the outside world, I may look or feel a specific way. And, you know, people try to put you in these social constructs and all these different things. I have to just remember to remind myself, you know, where it all started. Mm. I love that so much. One of the most inspiring things is that you're also a CEO of your own imprint. You've always talked about owning your voice and owning your art. And we're seeing those conversations come up more now in the music industry where artists, especially Black women artists, are talking about owning their work. And so I just want to know how important that's been for you in your career and how you've been able to be strong in that so early before anybody was talking about it. That's a great question. I think I have to go back to my family. Growing up, my parents never owned a house. We never had a home. We lived in a duplex. We lived with my grandmother. We lived with my aunt. And so when you think about ownership, because we never like really owned anything, it was always rent or it was always like temporary. That word became very important to me. Hmm. Hmm. It was just like, I have to own something. I fundamentally believe that we're designed to be better than our parents. Mm. So if my parents didn't get an opportunity, okay, all this sacrifice that they put into me, let me make this go to the next level. Mm. You know, just like when your heroes open doors for you, you know, in the same way that like a Missy Elliott has opened up doors for, for women. I try to mm. always pay mm. forward. Uh, Outcast opened up doors for, you know, creative black artists, Lauren Hill. Like you can think about Prince, you mm. know, in the same way, I think about my parents and I'm just like, I, I want to make my parents proud. And, you know, they didn't sacrifice this for me not to own, you know, and not to not to achieve what ultimately um, they they were striving to achieve. We were so on the same wavelength. <laughs> the universe is speaking through you right now. Right. Absolutely. And so much of the sacrifices they made are were so that we could be able to do those exact things. So this, it's, I mean, it's giving me chills right now because we're, mm-hmm. we are on the exact same wavelength. I feel the exact same way. But when you talk about 
achieving and, and those dreams that you're striving towards. And correct me if I'm putting this on you, but what goes hand in hand with that in the music industry and in acting is awards. And you've been on, you know, both sides of the award season, but you've been nominated for eight Grammys. And like, girl, I'm such a fan of you. I was mad when Dirty (laughs) Computer didn't win album of the year. Yet we know how those institutions treat black women. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel about all that? You know, do you care as much as your fans care? Oh, that's so sweet of you. And I think I'm like that with certain people. Like I'm really big fans of, Still to this day, there are like certain Prince albums that didn't get Grammys. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? This is 1999. Like, what are we talking about? I've dedicated my life to the work. You know, I've dedicated my life to the art. I knew this was going to be a long journey for me. Fame was never important to me. Awards were never important to me starting. It was always about freedom. And it was always about being able to tell my story in the way that my soul feels it, my heart feels it, my desires want it. That is like something that I'm not willing to sacrifice. So it's like when you say, how do you put a octagon in a cylinder? You just can't. And I I don't want to turn into a cylinder. Like I loved that Dirty Computer had that representation at the Grammys and just in general, because it was, it's such a piece of who I am uh, and where, you know, and where I was and, and what I was becoming. I worked on that project for a very long time. And before I even knew that I was going to do this project, I was becoming the subject and those songs were forming in my mind, but it had to be the right time. So just having that visibility was enough for me being able to perform on the stage with all those black women mm. and celebrating, you know, queerness, blackness, womanness, just being able to music, celebrate musicianship, songwriting, and having my team help work so hard on the project with me there. That was like enough. And quite frankly, I also have a thing about awards where the more awards I feel like people get, it gives them like a sense of, anxiety like what's next mm. you know like yeah society puts enough pressure on us yeah to have a baby to get married to live a specific type of life mm. and be a specific type of human and for me i just think awards are an illusion mm. you take it when you can you stay humble you stay grateful but that doesn't drive me mm. wow I I love that. I want to go back also to what you said about sort of celebrating womanhood and celebrating queerness and celebrating all of your identities, because we want to shout out your work and and support of the queer community. You've been vocal about expanding our definition of sexuality and your own sort of identity within that, which has been amazing to see. And so what do you hope people understand about this community? And as you move forward, has that openness shifted the way that you work and the projects that you take on? You know, one of the things that I have to always be careful with is not like speaking for a community. Mm. Um, Just like Mm -hmm. all of us, you know, are Black women of color. We may differ. We may have different beliefs. We may have different processes. And that's totally fine because that's what makes us push each other, 
you know, to evolve and to empathize and to understand. So all of that's great. So I have to always just start with what's truthful to me Mm. and what's honest to me and what makes me feel safe and what makes me also take risks. And that drives, you know, my music and the stories. And when it resonates, you know, when people are able to find through my specificity, here's where we relate. I needed this. Mm. That's when it's beautiful. When mm. We can connect over an idea. When we can connect and bond over an experience. And I, I want to give as many experiences as I possibly can. I want to share the microphone because mm. everybody has their voices. You know, like there's a lot of fighters out there who can fight for themselves. They just need that visibility and that platform and that mic. They just don't got mm. the mic. Mm. I want to talk about one thing that you mentioned in terms of building community and how your family has really kind of helped shape that, especially coming from a a large devoutly Baptist family as well. So can you talk a little bit about how that spiritual background has kind of contributed to who you are today and how you manifest community for yourself today? I see people's spirits first when I meet them Hmm. before I even see like how they identify I just feel spirits. One of the things in church that I love first, I love the singing mm. because I, that's when I felt the spirits the most. Mm. That's when I felt like not the representatives of all these people at church working through things, mm. but you felt a oneness. You felt a cry. You felt a yearning. You felt something deeper through the music. And that, that's a big reason why I sing and I, I emote, I try to at least at my shows in the way that I do, because emotion is tied to spirit. And I didn't necessarily grow up where every Sunday we had to go to church. If I spent the night over like an aunt's house who was on the usher board, I had to go to church. And I actually was wearing black and white because I used to be an usher. So I, I have so many photos of me just in like black and white uniform, all of me and my cousins and just, you know, ushering people on into the church. But it's been like a double-edged sword. Like it's some, it's community. It's something to believe in. They also can stunt your growth. And by that, it's fitting that octagon into a cylinder. It's like, if it's not this way, then it's not good enough. And... It took me a while to to dissect that. It took me leaving Kansas. Mm. Um, it took me leaving my family, who mm. I love and adore. But it was time for me to to question, and I needed to be away from my biggest fans and my biggest judges mm. um, to, to have time to think and to have time to to live and to breathe and to uh, understand you know, who I was outside of my tribe. You know, religion has, has started a lot of internal battles and wars, Mm -hmm. you know, in the way that it has helped communities. It has also harmed communities Mm -hmm. depending on who sits on the throne. And I think I religiously create art, Mm -hmm. but I want to learn as much as I possibly can about other spiritualities and why people gravitate. I think that we can be our gods and we can all be our devils, you know? 
we're capable. I think we are that indeed. I think I choose to minister through music and music has always been my biggest, my biggest teacher and mm. healer. Mm-hmm. Ooh, we're dropping a yeah. whole bunch of words. That I am like, <laughs> you guys are asking some really insightful questions. I'm happy to communicate with, um, with really, really smart people. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so let's talk about your two upcoming projects. Season two of Homecoming. We've watched the first couple episodes. They are intense and incredible. And then Antebellum, which is out in August. And they're both, you know, psychological thrillers, sci-fi. Um, what drew you to those projects and, and doing that kind of thriller horror that I'm sure takes a lot out of you spiritually and emotionally? <laughs> oh, yes, they did. Um, <laughs> last year was intense. I filmed Antebellum in New Orleans from like May to June, mm-hmm. went on tour, a European tour, like my last leg of the Dirty Computer Tour, um, went to Japan, all over Europe for like a month and some change, then flew to LA and filmed Homecoming for two months. I didn't realize, because yeah. I'd never done, like led a film, then led a tour, and then led a TV show mm-hmm. in that span. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize what I had done until I looked at my calendar at the end of the year and I was like, wow, right. I'm insane. <laughs> mm-hmm. And all the while I had a health scare, I developed mercury poisoning. Mm. It was because of I me switching my diet to become a pescatarian. Mm-hmm. I wanted to try something new and I had uh, lots of tuna, mm-hmm. a lot of sushi, should have read more about the harms or dangers are in eating high amounts of seafood. And I got acute mercury poison, triple the amount that if you have like the poison already, it was triple that. Mm. And so I was the whole time filming that. <laughs> like, wow. oh my God. In a whole different mind state. And I'm just so thankful I got through with it. I saw the work. I was very proud of it. Mm. You know, you waking up, you, your memory, it does affect your, your memory loss, your uh, just, it, it's, it's a lot. Your character is going through the same thing, mm-hmm. essentially, mm-hmm. with memory loss. Right. <laughs> Again, the universe stays on our neck. <laughs> You're like, you know what? We're going to really make you get into this character. Um, we're going to give you an experience that you, you, you will always tie to when you show up on stage. And that's exactly, you know, what it was. Uh, the reason that I was drawn to both these characters is that they're actually very different very different. One antebellum does deal with race. Like you couldn't be white and play this role. You couldn't be Asian. You had to be a black woman mm-hmm. to play the role of Veronica in antebellum. In homecoming season two, I could have been any, anything. And obviously I am a black woman. So I'm going to come from that angle and I'm proud to do that. Um, it wasn't dependent on that. And that's the, t- the the freedom, like, giving me the choice to say, this is how I want to play this. Mm. And saying, man, I really don't see, you know, a lot of Black women in these roles. One film in Antebellum, like, we were doing night shoots. It was intense emotionally. I just remember talking to family members, like, they were just like, what is wrong with you? And when I get into character, I'm in character. I live it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't want you to see Janelle Monet. I want you to see Veronica. Mm-hmm. And I did a lot of meditation, did a lot of praying. I wasn't going to do antebellum because I was scared. I was terrified with the subject matter. I didn't know what everyone was going to say. And I knew that it was it was going to be a very controversial uh, film. It is for me. Then going into doing uh, Homecoming, which was going to stretch me, was, you know, was an experience of great learning. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I loved, loved about, you know, doing both. I think they both stretched me where it allowed me to step into a deeper role of leadership. So, I mean, I want to tap into something that you were saying about meditation and because I've had this experience too, where I've looked back at my schedule and been like, oh, I'm crazy. Like, how did I, even, <laughs> like, how did this happen? And I love what you're saying about just meditating to get into the right headspace for your roles. Um, but also, you know, balancing all these things. And I think as black women, so often we just, we power through it. Right. And we're like, I've got to show up. I've got to do it. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your own self-care regimen and how you take care of yourself while you're doing so many things? That's such a great question. And it's an art. It's one thing I have not, you don't, you don't know you're tired until you're tired. Mm-hmm. And by then it's too late. Mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel that in my soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's too late. Mm-hmm. It's a 911. It's like cancel everything. Mm-hmm. And that is that is something I, I honestly am, am still doing because my life is changing. There are new levels mm. that that happen, and there's a new learning curve. You know, you just you're feeling your way around, and when you're feeling your way around, you don't know the energy that you're putting out until you're tired. Mm. You know, because you've never gone through that obstacle course mm. before. You don't know it, and so when you don't actually know the coordinates because this is a whole new level for you, then it's a, it's a little more difficult and it gets tricky. Mm. I don't want to speak for all of us, Mm. but I know that there are a lot of us who innately, like we inherit this need to work, work, work. Mm -hmm. If you don't work, you're lazy. Mm. You're one sandwich away from being poor. Mm. Like even for me, Mm. I still think, especially in this pandemic, you know, we're all, everybody's on different levels. Like I'm not comparing myself at all to a single black mom. Mm-hmm. I'm not in that position. And I understand that. Mm. I'm a business owner. I own my own company. I decided that I wanted to be an entertainer. This is, you know, I'm freelancing. I'm mm. freestyling on my income mm. every day. You know, if I don't hunt, I don't eat. That we feel that pressure, like yep. it can all be gone. And I do have that, that I still have that spirit, which is good too, because mm-hmm. it motivates you and it helps you. Now at this point, I think we're all going to be questioning a lot when we come post quarantine. I think it feels like the whiz in the whiz and you find out who the whiz is. Mm. Like this is how I feel right now. My Sundays are my Fridays. Right. My Saturdays are my Mondays. Yes. Like all of this has been constructed. Mm-hmm. If you don't work within this nine to five hour, or if you're not doing this between these hours, you know, you're doing it wrong. Mm. I'm questioning a lot about mm-hmm. how we got 
to these structures mm. and if they actually work or if they're just a scam. <laughs> um, yes. So yeah, I think heart. that's where I am right now. Yes. And um, I think that I'll come back and, and hopefully we'll all come back with finding healthier ways to deal with ourselves. Because mm. as we, we as we have to stay in, I think this is a moment and an opportunity for us to go in. Our audience will kill us if we do not talk to you about the fashions, about the the clothes. We've got to talk about the fashion. You know, we're all on the quarantine fashion struggle, but I mean, you are you are a fashion icon. You have been known to kill it on the red carpets and to also make a statement. It's another way where you've made it very clear that you refuse to let yourself be put in any kind of box. Can you talk to us about what excites you from a fashion perspective? How do you make your fashion decisions? You know, what's important to you uh, when it comes to expressing yourself through your style? I mean, honestly, it started, I think I, I found freedom and, and creativity with fashion through structure. It started with black and white. As mm-hmm. you can see, mm-hmm. many moons later, I'm. this is my go-to and my uniform and everything starts there. I mean, I think there is power in simplicity, Mm. you know, um, and I I strongly believe that. And I'm a minimalist by heart. I also not starting off, not being able to afford a new costume for every show Mm. or I couldn't keep up. Like Mm. it was just like, it was impossible. Like I'm on a community college refund check. Like I can't, I can do thrift stores perhaps, but it was like, no, like I, I need to just get whatever my superhero uniform is and just do that. Mm. And then it morphed into, you know, this could be great to pay homage uh, to the essential workers, which I just want to shout out, you know, like my parents, I've said this so many times, like my mom being a janitor, my dad who drives trucks still my stepdad who loves his job he's still at the post office Mm. does not want to leave you know all the folks who are delivering the nurses the doctors Mm -hmm. I mean when I put on my uniform when I put on on you know the the face of of my outfit I think about them and I'm just like man this keeps me working hard because you have all these folks who are really the heroes and I hope when we come out of all this we remember that Yes. Who remember who it was that part who put their lives on the on the front line who couldn't see their families you know mm-hmm. so by that if I'm going to be an artist and I'm going to perform in my mind for me to be fully invested it has to be tied to something bigger than me this probably wasn't the answer you wanted but wherever I am I'm really just representing the community of people that I think have gotten the short end of the stick. Hmm. but it has to tie back to things that are important to me and not be surface level materialistic. And I think you find the art in that. So art and purpose drive my passion. Yes. Talk about the answer I wanted. <laughs> the answer <laughs> we needed. Okay. That's crazy. Yeah. That's the answer we all needed. <laughs> I mean, this is incredible. I, I mean, honestly, Janelle Monet, we cannot thank you enough. I, I am speechless, honestly. Oh my goodness. You are so oh. welcome. Thank you guys so much. It, it was beautiful to just connect with thoughtful humans and 
Thank you for supporting my work. I know we're in the middle of a pandemic and I hope it can be light to all of you. The Go Off Sis podcast is a Refinery29 original. It's produced by Chelsea Sanders, Rashad Isaac, and myself, Danielle Cadet. It's edited by Hanger Studios. My co-hosts today were Chelsea Sanders and Kathleen newman Bramay. Like what you heard and want some more? Head over to Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts to catch up on all episodes. And don't forget to drop a review or leave a comment to let us know what you think. You can also find us where it all started, on Instagram at R29Unbothered. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, it's okay to go off, sis. <laughs>